broadcasting from the campus of Lynn Benton Community College. We are the Mid-Valley STEM CTE Hub. I'm your host, Casey, and this, this is Closing the Gap. Welcome back, listeners. Today's guest on Closing the Gap is a dear friend of mine and a person that has and continues to wear many hats, Catherine Edmonds. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Yeah, thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah, of course. Um, so, Elia, one time or another, I was told, I, I think it was like 37 jobs you've had in your lifetime. Yes, I think it might be like 38 or 39 now because I've joined a few more organizations recently. <laughs> um, but yeah, I counted um, maybe a year ago or something because somebody didn't believe me and so I wrote them all down. But yeah, I've had a lot of different jobs and changed career paths many times. Um, so, right on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think 30, 39 is like really impressive because that's like that's that's more than one a year for sure and like your work a couple a year yeah more than I think, two or three yeah yeah there was a number of years where I had to like submit like you know five or six what is that the w2 yeah forms or whatever yeah and I like had to have a accountant because I was like I don't know how to handle this right on so yes are these all like part-time jobs or like are you like it sounds like you're doubling up sometimes or yeah, I've had a lot of part-time jobs, and I worked seasonally for a little while. I was a ski instructor, um, and then I also worked for an organization, National Outdoor Leadership School, um, or NOLS, um, and they do, like, backpacking and kayaking kind of wilderness trips. Um, so there was definitely some seasonal work in there, um, and, yeah, I was a grad student a couple times college student so you know how you kind of fit jobs in um where you can in those times as well so sure yeah totally so as long as I've known you you've always been a woodworker it seems and um it from the sounds of it is that you've had like a lot of jobs that are all so like working with your body and your hands like like physical kinds of jobs um was woodworking a place where you be like where you began this like list of 39 jobs now or is it kind of like in the middle what yeah um I'd say um interest like I would like my instinct is to be like no but um actually I did work at a summer camp when I was like 17 I think and there was woodworking there um Wait, does the summer camp make it 40 jobs <laughs> <laughs> maybe um yeah but I I did do woodworking there but it was I actually taught mostly kayaking there um so I didn't get into woodworking uh, except for that little bit at summer camp until um much later in life so that was yeah it was not something I didn't do shop in in high school or anything like that and yeah so woodworking came came later for me cool so where did it all start then yeah so um so for me, for woodworking, um, I was in a job um, that was a more computer-based job, and a friend of mine had told me that he took this like furniture-making class in Maine, and I had like tucked that information away in the back of my head and 
when I was sort of bored at my job, I Googled that the name of that school and I saw that they had scholarships and I was like, oh my gosh, like I should apply for a scholarship and um, told myself, well, if I get the scholarship, I'll go um, to this school. And like, I didn't know a whole lot about Maine because um, I grew up in Georgia. And um, so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll try this. And then I found out I did get the scholarship. And so I went to this um this school in Maine and um, it's it's called Center for Furniture Craftsmanship and it's just a woodworking school f- to learn how to make furniture cool. in sort of the more traditional um, way of using joinery and things like that and um, the class the first class I took was just an intro to wood shop or intro to woodworking class I think is what it was and we made just a bench with dovetails and a mortise and tenon joint and um I just like fell in love with it and I fell in love with the people I was taking the class with and it was like I really had not um, been exposed to creative um, energy and sort of making things really and then at that time I think I was in my um, I think I was in my early 30s when I took that class and I, I had really been far removed from art and creativity for a long time and so it was like this light bulb went off in me that I was like, oh, I'm, I think I'm a creative person. And like, you know, because I think so often we sort of get tracked into art or science and mm-hmm. it's, it can never be both, um, especially, you know, it, when we're younger is like they're sort of like, oh, you're, you're such a good artist. You're so good at drawing. And like that's the one thing that I think sometimes people are like, draw. if you're good at drawing, you're an artist. If you're bad at drawing, you're not an artist. And right. so... I am not particularly good at drawing. And so um, and my, a lot of my friends are very good at drawing and are artists and, and have their MFAs in painting. And so I always sort of put them in the artist category and then me in a different category and ended up in sciences. And um, so, yeah, so it was like kind of this cool light bulb moment for me when I found woodworking and, and realized that, oh, yeah, I can – I can be a creative person um, in this very different, and I think what it was for me in this very kinesthetic way where I used my hands and it was, you know, not just sort of 2D drawing, it was like this whole 3D experience. For sure, for sure. Yeah, it sounds like a really enlightening, therapeutic kind of discovery that you made. Yeah, yeah. So I came back and quit my job. Um, nice. <laughs> and, which which job was this? Um, this job was I was working um, for a national nonprofit called American Rivers, um, and I was um, doing water policy stuff around sort of. Um, I'm, uh, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but we were we were writing a report about streams, the importance of forests, and um, and the water quality, basically. Cool. Um, yeah, it's somewhere on the internet. Yeah, and you so you have like three degrees, and then you were just talking about going to school again. So it sounds like you really like to be a student. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I I really like learning. I think um, I think I had a false belief that learning needed to happen in an academic setting. Um, that I really just recently let go, like in my 40s. Um, and yeah, so I have I have three academic degrees. I have a bachelor's in biology and I have a master's in ecology. And then I also have a master's in mechanical engineering. 
um, which is sort of a, a bit of an outlier. Um, but um, yeah, so I, um, and then kind of, it's sort of been an up and down where I've been in and out of kinesthetic fields. So after I got my bachelor's in biology, I worked as a ski instructor and a backpacking guide and cool. taught kayaking. Um, and that's when I worked for um, Knowles. And then I think um, for me, there's this sort of like fear that comes up when my income um, is tied to like me being able-bodied, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and I think we're all sort of temporarily able-bodied, right? Like, right, for sure. Um, and so I was like, I'll go back to school and learn about, you know, I spent so much time kayaking on rivers that I thought um, water, freshwater policy would be a really cool thing to know about. And so I went to school for that and, and got a master's in ecology. And then, um, yeah, and then I worked in environmental um, advocacy for a couple different organizations, American Rivers being one of them. And then I also taught environmental science at a community college very similar to LBCC in um, Athens, Georgia. And um, yeah, and then I, I quit that job at American Rivers and, and did woodworking kind of full time for um, a while. And then when we moved here um, to Corvallis, um, I I ended up back in school um, and yeah, sort of a long story, but ended up getting a master's in mechanical engineering, particularly in design, um, which I was mostly interested in sort of the design classes that OSU had, and it just sort of ended up as a master's degree. Um, Cool. Yeah. Accidental masters. Accidental masters, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I tripped and fell and accidentally got a master's degree, so. That's awesome. As someone who also likes to be a student, um, I think it's fascinating that you're able to do so much and and have these degrees um, because like, where do you fit in the time for study and work and play, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I think, Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I think why maybe I end up back in these sort of kinesthetic fields of like woodworking or skiing and kayaking is like you sort of fit in the play in your work. Um, You know, you get to do the fun stuff while you're working. Um, And I think maybe that's why I got bored in the academic fields somewhat. Um, I think I also like I identify as a neurodivergent person and um, I think I need to like move my body a lot and like um, I don't love sitting still. I got in trouble a lot in in elementary school and sat out in the hall for, you know, being silly and moving around. And Mm -hmm. so I think, um, yeah, and I I think, yeah, like I was saying before, that false belief that like learning has to happen in an academic setting. And I think there's a lot of ways to learn, but I think we're told how important college is and, and, uh, you know, that uh, you need to have a degree. And I I don't think that's necessarily wrong. And I do think it, 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 it affords people a lot of opportunities that, um, that are important, but I also think there's so many other ways, um, to have a career that don't necessarily, you don't have to have that degree or that type of education. Totally. So, So yeah, I'm, yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just kind of backing up what you were saying of, um, you know, like apprenticeships, mentorships, being a hobbyist. 
you know, things like that. They can all like also lend in, uh, lend a hand in like getting a really good education. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, for me, I, I also, I went to furniture making school, but I also apprenticed with two different, um, furniture makers after coming back, um, from the, I went back to the, I ended up going back to that school for three months and they have like a furniture making intensive. And once I finished that, I, I just approached a guy that I knew that did really cool work and, um, asked him if I could work in his shop because I couldn't afford to have a shop. And, um, he was really generous and let me work there both on my own stuff and on his work. And I learned a ton that way as well. Like, I think that really furthered my education beyond just like the more, you know, in the classroom type of learning. Oh, that's cool. So like an artist assistant kind of position or like a woodworker assistant? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I just sort of asked him if I could help him out and if, if in exchange for that, if I could work in a shop. And I think that's some of, I think, maybe why I've had so many different jobs is like I'm just sort of willing to be like, hey, <laughs> can I work around here? Can I be of use? Um, so, yeah, so I think that that really helped me also see someone – how they ran their business Mm -hmm. and like how they interacted with clients and all of that kind of stuff that like would have been really difficult for me to just start out from school like just like interacting with clients and really not having any idea how to do that and so um yeah that was really helpful for me to do that and I think um he was very generous to share that process with me that's really cool I think um you know, being able to do those kinds of things is really intriguing to a lot of people. Being able to like go work with a master in something that you're really interested in. Um, but I feel like maybe there's like a barrier to not everyone can afford to just like be free labor for somebody in exchange for their time. And um, I don't know. I mean, for people that are like maybe interested in like exploring like different ways of doing things, do you have any um, advice for like how someone could accomplish this, you know? like working for free and learning yeah yeah and I think that is definitely a good point and um I think it it can be a barrier it's also like a barrier right like if you um need health insurance those kind of things can be I've I have been um very lucky that I am in a um marriage where my partner has had um like a steady job and had health insurance for us so I definitely have privilege in that way where I have been able to explore um, more freely in that way where I haven't had to rely on on having a more steady job for in particular for health insurance. Um, But I think even like, you know, showing up at um, maker spaces, right? Like I think that's a really cool place like the mill um, to learn stuff. And then I also think um, you know, if you have a friend that does something that you really like, like offering to help them on the weekends or, or different things like that. But I, you know, I think that oftentimes we sort of see education as such a limited, um, track of like, you need to find a class and then need to take a class in it or whatever to learn it. And I think there are alternative ways to do that. Although, you know, I did learn woodworking from a school and and from a class and so I think it's it's not the wrong way to do it but I think there are also alternatives too um you know I I learned a little bit of metalworking while I was in Athens sort of um in 
uh, a metalworker's shop, and he learned metalworking in exchange for golf lessons um, from this guy. This guy, he he was this guy was very good at golf, and then um, this other person wanted to learn golf, and he was a metalworker, and so he was like, okay, well, let's trade. And so, cool. you know, if you have a skill that you can trade with somebody else, I think that's also another really cool thing to do in your community oh for sure yeah i love the idea of bartering yeah 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 it's so. great so um i mean since we're on the topic of education how has your stem education influenced how you approach your woodworking now yeah um i was like talking with a friend about this podcast actually and i was saying yeah there's sort of a stem focus and um you know they were sort of saying that well like you know you have like all these different pieces of STEM of like, you know, the science piece um, with sort of my biology and ecology degrees. And then, um, you know, the engineering kind of, I think, fits in the technology and engineering. And then math is, there's a lot of math and woodworking. Um, but I think woodworking in general sort of um, can bring in a lot of those different aspects of it. Um, and then, of course, there's like STEAM versus STEM. But um, the art piece, I think, also comes into play for me largely in um, in my woodworking, and I think um, I get a lot of sort of influence from nature and you know my experience with ecology, but also my experience of just being outside um, in my work, um, and yeah, so that's sort of so it kind of influences your design in a way. Yeah, I think so. And then I think my engineering degree influences my my design process and I the my focus was in design and I think what's really cool to me about woodworking in particular, but I think multiple sort of types of making is like you sort of come up with this idea um and you sort of you're like, "Oh, I I, I have this idea that I want to make." And then that process of going from the idea to making a 3D object is like incredibly interesting to me. And I think is, is really the main reason um, why I have stayed engaged, I think, in woodworking longer than most of my other careers. I've, I've worked on and off in a shop for the last decade. So, so woodworking, I think, has a little bit more staying power um, than some of my other jobs. Um, like when I made wreaths, in a parking lot for my friend's little brother one holiday season that that didn't stick around but um but yeah I think um that process of sort of making your idea into a 3d object is it's both like a very personal process and then it can also be like this really um this process that also is in relationship with your community and um can be like if you are inspired by nature like your ecosystem that you live in and, and the land that you're on and all of that kind of stuff and so that that is particularly interesting to me right now awesome awesome um so it sounds like you kind of focus on like more of the fine woodworking side of um woodworking i guess <laughs> Yeah. How any other way I could put that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> could you kind of explain the difference between the type of work that you do versus the type of woodworking that someone would do if they were in more of a construction type field? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, like I said, I went to this um, 
school called the Center Center for Fine Furniture the Center for Furniture Craftsmanship, and um, that school particularly um, focuses on fine woodworking. And so that's my education. It's like under fine woodworking. What um, is the definition of fine woodworking? Yeah. So I think like I have feelings about sort of woodworking, sort of that. Um, delineation of woodworking and I think sometimes it can feel far away um, to achieve that but I think the the definition that I sort of think of that's really I think most people can relate to is like if you have a piece of furniture that's been in your family a long time like maybe a dresser or something like that if you open those drawers there's probably dovetails on the side, which are sort of these little angled um, things, and the, the pieces of wood come together in that in a joinery, um, in a way that is is called joinery. And the reason that is made that way is actually a very functional reason. And it's so like when you open that drawer over hundreds of years, potentially that that drawer is going to stay together. Um, and so there's sort of all these sort of types of joinery that are are designed for this sort of staying power. So furniture can be made and can last a really long time, potentially generations. Um, and so that's, I think, the main delineation versus like in construction, um, you know, there's more screws and nails and like, um, you know, you're making things at a much faster timeline and at a much larger scale. Although there is like timber framing um, is basically large scale joinery used um, for framing houses and things like that. Oh, like when you think of like a log cabin or something. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And so that's, so that it can be sort of scaled up, but like, um, but I think for me, what is interesting about fine woodworking is like you're sort of learning this technical knowledge of how to put wood together and you sort of know that wood moves and that it's going to um, sort of, um, you know, you need to put, you need to have this certain amount of technical knowledge in order to make your piece go together, stay together and last a long time. Um, but what is more interesting to me, so like one of my main teachers, um, Yuri Kobayashi is a, um, sculpture artist really who uses wood as her medium. And she is, has this very technical background in woodworking and went to a, um, school in Japan to learn fine woodworking, but then actually came to the United States to get an MFA in sculpture, um, focusing in wood. Cool. And so I think what's really cool about her background and what is very inspiring to me about her work is that she knows so much about woodworking that she can break all the rules, um, and make really cool abstract, um, pieces. And I think it's really similar to like a jazz musician, you know, classically trained jazz musician who like knows all of the, you know, the classical, music you know rules but then I just knows enough to break you know so much that they can actually break those rules and so to me that's really interesting that's what's really interesting to me about woodworking is like sort of this more expansive definition of woodworking versus I think sometimes when people think about fine woodworking it's like 
they're thinking, oh, well, this is like, you're going to make like a replica of an 1800s like piece of furniture or something. And like, I think that is really interesting to certain folks, um, but it's less interesting to me. And I think it also can sort of narrow the number of people who are interested in woodworking, if that's sort of the definition of it. Or like, you know, that it also, I think, can, the focus can be too much on the technical aspect of it. And I think that can be because, you know, woodworking has been a more typically male-dominated field. Mm -hmm. And I think um, not that, you know, I think technical knowledge is, should everyone should be interested in that. But I think um, sometimes it's sort of like this checklist of like, I want to learn this technical knowledge versus like, I want to learn, for me, I want to learn this technical knowledge so it can like afford me all of these ways to expand woodworking in, in really unique ways. For sure. Yeah. Lots of, lots of techniques in, in both um, areas, it sounds like. Uh, but like more intricate things in the fine work working side. Yeah, yeah, and I think for me, um, I'm like I think also you're asking me this question while I'm sort of in this the middle of this like identity crisis where I feel like I identify less as a woodworker and more as an artist. Hmm, interesting. Um, where I like I think I won't stop working in wood, but I think um, yeah, it's more I'm more interested in making like art with my woodworking skills you had uh, kind of recently finished a long project of building your own longboard is that kind of part of this birth of more of an artist less of a woodworker yeah yeah so I made this skateboard um actually for my wife um and I made I made the board like five years ago but we could not decide on the design for it <laughs> and then one morning and we weren't sure if like she was going to do it, if I was going to do it. And it just, just sort of sat in my shop for a very long time. And then one morning I woke up and I was like, what about mermaid skeleton? And she was like, yeah, that's it. And, um, and so I really wanted to do that with pyrography, do that drawing with pyrography. And so I did that. Um, I took a, a class from this really talented pyrographer in Portland at, um, well, she, the, artist is in Portland but I took the class at Sitka um, Center for Arts which is on the coast and um, she really helped me sort of learn how to do more intricate um, work with pyrography and so yeah that was really fun and I think it just like really sparked um, this idea in me that I could like make an object and then sort of embellish it with either pyrography or I also am really interested in marquetry which is um cutting up really small pieces of wood and sort of like almost paint making paintings with them oh um, cool so like it's mosaics like mosaics or something yeah yeah marketry sounded too much like my job for a moment i was like what <laughs> yeah marketing no marketry yeah it's like um i used to um telemark ski which sounds a lot like telemarking yeah or telemarketing yeah so <laughs> wait so <laughs> What's the tele telemarkistry? Tele telemark skiing is like oh skiing. There's, yeah, there's sort of like um, downhill skiing where your heels are like locked down in a binding, and then telemark skiing is like your heels are up, or you're, they're not locked down, so you sort of like ski down the hill in a lunge. 
it's very silly and I went back to alpine skiing and it's much easier so yeah it sounds like a lot of pressure on the quads yeah yeah Yeah. and I'm not that um I'm too old for that now Uh, (laughs) yeah okay wait (laughs) let's get back (laughs) to the woodworking thing yeah totally um so uh you're now the co-owner of highland wood shop in corvallis and uh your partner ashley Murbach, your business partner um is or was a guest on the show in season two season three i don't remember anymore season two i think and um so how did you two meet yeah so i um finished my degree in engineering in March of 2020 and so I had a little bit of time to think um and so I had spent some time thinking about how I really I I was kind of making the decision I wanted to return to woodworking instead of working in the engineering field and I think I googled makerspace Corvallis or something like that and I found Highland Woodshop and decided to like reach out to Ashley and I think I actually like while I was googling that I saw the closing the gap episode podcast so I listened to that and Ashley was like yeah so I think (laughs) I think you connected me with Ashley um so thank you playing roles and lives over here yeah um yeah it was really um yeah it was cool to listen to that episode and sort of her vision for Highland and then she also was like we're sort of looking for someone to help us and so I reached out and um we talked about you know whether you know we would hang out and see if I was the right fit and um it seemed like a good, um, you know, the Nat Stein is also a shop partner. Um, there's three of us and we, I think we all really complement each other in our different skill sets and, um, just also really enjoy each other's company. So it's been a really fun, um, yeah, opportunity for me to join them and, and join Highland. That's awesome. I mean, being able to work with people that, complement your skills and also you get along with really well I think that's like a real treat to be able to find something like that yeah absolutely so that's awesome so uh what is a makerspace exactly yeah so um I think there's a lot of definitions of makerspaces and you know there's like makerspaces in libraries there's you know the mill here um is a makerspace um so I think it can kind of be whatever people want it to be. But I think for us, um, Highland is, we sort of think of it as like a community wood shop. Um, but I think what's interesting to me about makerspaces, and I think this is part of my own artistic process, is like I think it's a space to explore that process of like having an idea and making it into a 3D object. Um, nice. And whether that's, you know, 3D printing or using a CNC or going through, you know, the in highland making something you know with wood and um i think um that's probably my definition of a makerspace because of my own process but i think um what i've seen is that having a shop can be a really big barrier both financially and technically so i think like right like having all of those tools is super expensive um so we want highland to you know be a space where people who either don't have the space don't have the financial means to have a shop or like there for me it was a really big leap to want to have a shop like you know i'd worked in these school shops i'd worked in construction i'd I'd worked in shops a lot but to have my own shop it felt like a really big barrier to me and then 
I, I was working, um, helping run the shop at Oregon State in their wood science program. And I had to put together all these different band saws and the students started breaking tools. So I had to start fixing tools. And so basically that sort of, I think, took that barrier down for me where I was like, oh, I just put together a bandsaw. Yeah. Oh, I just fixed a bandsaw. I just changed a bandsaw blade. And so it was like kind of checking off all these things. And so I think that's another reason I think we we want to have Highland too is like to sort of break down that barrier for folks where they can practice, you know, changing out table saw blades or all those kind of things that are tough um, when you're on your own to even know how to do or like find that information. For sure. Yeah. Just having so. someone on hand to like, you know, bounce an idea off of or yeah. ask a question to. Yeah. It seems like it's a great place for hands-on learners to like really um, be able to grasp um, certain topics, you know, because I think the idea of like using a makerspace, it's like limitless, right? So it's like, I don't know, I, I guess just in my mind, what I'm saying is I think that like a makerspace could help, you know, any student learn anything if they need something more than just a book you know you could come in and like work on a math problem with like physical objects or you know yeah totally yeah and I think um yes absolutely I agree with that and I think so much of our like sort of the critical thinking piece of our education system has been squeezed out and so I think it can it can supplement that for sure of like hey, like you have to, you have an idea and you're going to have to figure out how to make this. And there's a lot of questions in between to like figure that out. Mm-hmm. And then I also think, um, yeah, like I think problem solving, right, is another skill set, which is very similar to critical thinking, but I think it's a little bit different where it's like you're in the midst of making this and it's not going how you think it's going to go. And now you're going to have to shift gears or maybe back up or, you know, maybe it was going to be 20 inches and now it's 15 inches because you, you made a different cut. And like, how do you sort of wrap your head around that and, and regroup and, and, and pivot. And so, um, yeah. And I often say like the difference between a, uh, or I think I don't say this, but someone said this to me of like the difference between a master woodworker and a amateur woodworker is like you just know how to fix your mistakes, um, right. you know. And so I think it's it really is you you gain all of these skills of like how to problem solve. Mm-hmm. Um, so learning in action. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah that's what I've learned over sort of this long winding career path of mine of like that. Um, I do I do really like being in a, a job where I get to do sort of like that kind of hands-on learning and hands-on work. Right on. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoy ha- getting my hands on things while I'm trying to process stuff. And I had the recent pleasure of taking one of your tarweed school classes where we made a bookshelf, which is one of my first like real like intricate well not intricate for me because like my woodworking experience up to that point had been like going to Home Depot and slapping some you know, two by fours together and calling it, calling it a planter box. But that's beside the point. Um, so you also have, um, you also teach at Tarweed Folk School. What is that? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I would say that, yeah, that bookshelf class was, it was intricate. Yeah. It was a tough class. So I think you did a great job. Um, oh, thank you. And thanks for taking it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Tarweed, um, we, Highland Woodshop has partnered with Tarweed, um, and um, 
we are teaching classes with them and this is their first summer offering classes and they had sort of three big weekends of classes and they had basketry and bike repair and fibers and herbalism and natural building and clay and nature classes so kind of teaching skills that that we are calling um, practical arts and so Nat and Ashley and I are all on their steering committee kind of helping Tarweed get started and um, you know they felt like woodworking fit right in there as one of the skills that they wanted to teach Um, and they're Their mission statement is, our mission is to tend the land, ourselves, and each other through the sharing of practical arts and place-based skills in the heart of the Willamette Valley. Um, And I think, you know, that mission statement fits right in there with with Highland's mission statement, which we are there to sort of, you know, create access to tools and woodworking education. And, um, you know, I think what was so attractive to me about Tarweed, too, is I think it fits really right into my own creative process of like learning and exploring and your relationship to community and land. For Um, sure. You know, I think one thing I, I have really been exploring in my own work because I also, I, you know, I work at um, Highland, but I also have my own kind of business that I operate under my own name. And I think I've really been exploring um, my work in, in relation to my, community and my family and my friends and so you know I really um I really liked being involved in Tarweed because I think that that you know I I don't think I realized how much teaching um is part of my creative process I sort of always thought of them as like two different things of like I teach and then I and then I make my own work but I think so much of that weaves together where it's sort of like you know I Um, I recently like had this idea where I really want to make a tray um, that has sort of constellations on it because I have um, I've always looked at the stars with my mom and like that's when I look at the stars that's I think of my mom and that relationship that I have with her and so I want to um, you know sort of explore my my own work and my uh, the objects that I make um, in direct relationship with my family and friends and so I think I'm I think I'm moving away from furniture and more into like um object making and um so yeah somebody recently was saying to me they were like I'm a furniture maker not an object maker and I was like oh I think (laughs) I'm I think I'm an object maker and I think I like making small things and and thinking about those and in relationship to um, yeah, to my family and friends. And, and so, yeah, that constellation tray is sort of one of those things I'm really interested in exploring recently and have bought the materials to work on that. So That's awesome. I can really appreciate a sentimental project for sure. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I have a, a ritual of around the holidays. I don't really celebrate the holidays, but I'll like get out all my printmaking gear and I'll like make like a like handmade card for everyone and send that out and it's like this like I don't know I feel like an act of of like love and creation is like something super special for people that are into working with their hands yeah yeah and I think that's like that's what's so been so cool to be involved with Highland and Tarweed too is like most folks that are coming to those classes like I know for you you were making the bookshelf for someone special and Mm -hmm. like you know I think a lot of the people that are coming are thinking they're gonna make a gift for someone and so there's so much 
relational aspect of that kind this kind of work and you know then you're also building it in relation to, to your classmates and in relationship to your teacher and um so yeah that's what's gotten me kind of super interested recently and I think um yeah teaching is is so fun for me because of that for sure yeah that's great I mean those like uh little surprises that you learn about yourself along the way you know yeah totally yeah absolutely so I feel like um although you have a very unique you know list of careers that you've done over your lifetime I don't think like the experience of um not wanting to settle or getting bored or however it looks I don't think that's as unique it it as a unique experience is maybe just like yours personally I don't know what I'm trying to say <laughs> anyway um I was wondering if you had any advice for young people that are like looking to follow a similar kind of career path where it's like I want to do this for a little while I want to do this for a little while um do you have any yeah yeah I mean I think that there um I think sometimes the pressure to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life at age 18 to pick your major in college can be very daunting. And so I think hopefully maybe hearing somebody that has bopped around in a few different fields um, is helpful. I would say, you know, I think probably – you know, looking at alternative learning, I think, is always a good thing to do, um, like trying, and then also trying a bunch of stuff out. Like, I think, I wish that, um, you know, I had had the opportunity, I went to college, I was 17, and I was just like, I don't know, biology. And I had actually picked math, um, but math was at 8 a.m., and I just could not make it to the classes. And so I think um, sometimes it's just like just sort of pick things because we're like, oh, this is the thing that seems kind of interesting at the time, and then it might not be. And so I think just knowing that you're not stuck in that I think is really um, can be comforting. Um, And then I think – I would just say the most powerful gift you can give to yourself is like to learn how to learn Mm -hmm. and to be willing to start over. Um, You know, I think if you can do that, then you can pretty much do anything you want. Um, So. Yeah, that's awesome. Totally. And to learn. Um, So up to this point, what do you think maybe your proudest accomplishment is? Yeah, I think, um, you know, sometimes it can be, like, uh, not the biggest confidence booster when you're like, God, I've had so many jobs and I've had to start over so many times. But I think one of the things I am really proud of is I have gained a lot of woodworking knowledge, both through going to, to several different schools. I went to – I've continued to go to woodworking schools. I've also gone to a school, Anderson Ranch, and um, – recently Florida School of Woodwork, and then there's also one Port Townsend Wood School. So I keep taking classes. um, And so I think having sort of this pretty robust woodworking education that I get to share with people um, at Highland Woodshop and then also through Tarweed is like, I feel like that feels really cool. Um, And I think also because I've basically taught in every single job that I've had. So I taught kayaking, I taught skiing, I've 
taught environmental education. So like, I feel like the one thread that has gone through is being an educator. And so I feel like I'm also really hitting my stride as an educator of like, oh yeah, I've, I've been doing this for a long time. Like I've been teaching something or another for 20 years. And so I think, um, I, I'm able to offer a pretty solid woodworking education to folks now. Um, and yeah, I'd say the other accomplishment, um, as far as like something I've made is like, um, shortly after I got out of furniture school, I made um, this table for my brother who is a wheelchair user. And um, we were looking at making a table for him that dis didn't have the typical like four legs that kind of get in the way when you're um, a wheelchair user. And so um, we, I kind of made this, designed and engineered this sort of cantilevered table um, that works really well for him. And I think um, that was really cool and special to make something that um, is really functional for someone that I really care about. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds really cool, cantilever table. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's, yeah, still at my parents' house, so. That's great. Well. I really I want to thank you for being on the show today. This has been really fun to chat with you and, and learn more about uh, your career and everything. Um, can you before we go, can you give people um, a way to get involved with Highland and Tarweed? Any socials, any any websites? Yeah, so Highland's website is I think HighlandWoodshopCorvallis.com. Um, and we have we list classes through Parks and Rec, um, and we have a few classes coming up this fall. Um, and then we also weekly teach, we do mentor time. Um, Nat and I both teach weekly. And so as long as you take a safety class, um, you can join us in mentor time. And we, um, so that's an option. And then um, Tarweed is tarweedfolkschool.com. And we just wrapped up classes. And so um, the best way to sort of stay in touch with Tarweed and Highland is to subscribe to the newsletter, which is um, an option on both of the websites. And then, um, yeah, and they both have emails um, to reach out and ask more questions. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much again. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Closing the Gap. If you like this show, subscribe on Spotify. You can also find us on Instagram at MVSTEMCTE, on Twitter at MidValleySTEM, and online at MidValleySTEM.org. Until next time, keep progressing.